0: Well, what a privilege and an honour. Welcome to the people online, welcome to the people here on, in person. But what a privilege and an honour it is to be able to wrap up the series, Wise Words for a New Year. And I was, as I was thinking about this, I, there's so many wise words, where do you start? But this morning we're gonna look at something that's just one little verse and it's tucked in right at the end of Hebrews. So I don't know if that's what you are expecting, but that's where we're gonna land it this morning. But before we get there, I need some audience participation. Are you ready? okay that doesn't sound very enthusiastic come on people you can do this yay okay are we ready i want you to finish my sentence if i said nothing is certain in this world except Death death and taxes you nailed it well done people well done does anybody happen to know where that quote comes from no Okay, well, the full quote, if we could get it up on the screen now, um, Graham, that'd be great. The full quote actually comes from a letter Benjamin Franklin wrote to a French scientist in 1789. Now, I'm going to have a go at pronouncing the French... French scientist's name but I'm sure I will mess it up so anybody that knows the French accent can come correct me later. His name was Jean-Baptiste Leroy and Benjamin Franklin wrote this letter just after the constitution had been written. Now he says our constitution is now established and has an appearance that promises permanency but in this world nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Well, I don't know about you, but the last 233 years have had a lot of change. The last two or three years have had an incredible amount of change. We've seen in the last couple of hundred years, we've seen changes to our living conditions, our employment, our home lives, our societal structures, our holidays, our travel, but the last two or three years have seen a really big shift. Would you agree? Yes. So how about we just edit his famous quote, add add in, nothing is certain except death, taxes and change. Are you on board? Yes, that's great. I'm so pleased. Well, I just wanted to tell you about a test that psychologists use called the standardized stress test. um, And it's a way of rating how we cope with change what our internal reserves are for dealing with the changes going on around us. And so they've come up with this list. Now, it's been around since the 60s. They've come up with this list and it starts with the things that are really big changes and it comes down to the little, little changes. And all of the things get a point score and you're supposed to add up the points. And that gives you an idea of how well you could adjust to the change. Now, Luke, who's done the slides for me this morning, has been very kind and he's done a beautiful graphic. Could we get that up now, Graeme? He's done a beautiful graphic for us with the words up there so I want you to have a look so Luke's made it so that the big words would get a higher point score and the little words would get a smaller point score have a look what can you see on the list that you would have to have changed with or had to adjust with this year or in the last year how are you doing I don't know about you but I've had a few of those who notices that there's Adjustments in family dynamics or get-togethers, social life. Sorry, guys, I just realized you can't see that. Um, Sick family member, uh, trouble with the in-laws, change in work hours or conditions. We've probably all adjusted to that a little bit. Social activities, school changes, starting or stopping something, beginning or ending school. There's some really interesting little ones in there. Moving house, baby. Baby. Anyone notice Christmas is up there? (gasps) Who would have put Christmas on the list? I would. (laughs) I'd put Christmas on the list. That's a change we're thinking about. Now, changes can be stressful, and dealing with change, even when it's good change, can be tricky. It takes a lot of our internal reserves to adjust. Well, when life is mostly consistent, we seem to find our way through the little changes fairly well. But over the last couple of years, for me in particular, the hard bit has been having so many changes, just one after the other after the other. Every time I thought we'd sort of, we'd do it again. Is everyone else feeling the same way? Yeah, if you've ever been on a boat and, or a ship and you've just had to find your sea legs, And you do eventually find them, but then you get back on land and it feels really weird again. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? We adjust. We do. We find the equilibrium, sort of. It doesn't, though, always stop us feeling seasick. And as I was thinking about this and thinking about how I have described the last couple of years, I have described it as though my head is spinning. Sometimes I've thought my head might just pop off. It's just felt so intense. All these changes has just felt so intense. So thinking about how my head spins and how I might cope with that, I then thought about how a dancer or an ice skater, a ballet dancer might adjust to spinning. You probably know this. Do you know what they do? Do you know what their trick is? They fix their eyes on one immovable spot. They do their spin, they flick their head back, and they lock their eyes back on that one spot. Did you know they do that? It takes a lot of practice, but it actually enables them to keep their equilibrium, keep their balance and not feel sick. They don't actually get dizzy. And I think we could learn to do the same thing. And I think the writer of Hebrews actually encourages us to do that exact thing. So I would love to to just get the next question. So more participation, please. So if you've grown up through Sunday school, you'll know the answer to this. As believers, what's the one thing we know and who we know? That's a good clue. Who doesn't change? Call it out for me. Who doesn't change? Jesus. Oh, 10 points for all of you. Well done. You all win a prize. If I had a prize, you'd win a prize. Jesus doesn't change. Isn't that cool? Now, if we were going to fix our eyes on the spot, don't you think he'd be a good spot to fix our eyes on? Yeah, so that's the verse we're going to have a look at this morning. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That's what we're going to have a look at. But before we get there and we get there to have a look at what it looks like for us to fix our eyes on Jesus who doesn't change, who's the same yesterday, today and forever, I just want to do a really quick overview or a recap of how the author gets there. Because it seems quite random. Out of a 13-chapter book, now remember when it was first written, it didn't have chapters and verses. They're for our benefit. that got added in later. But the author wrote this very long... uh christian believers jewish christian believers about the second generation living in jerusalem we believe and he wrote this to them to help them live lives of faith so how did he get to the end of the letter and put this one little line in that seems quite random where it's placed how did he get there i want to have a look could we grab the next slide please graham so the first seven chapters start off with the author presenting Jesus as a new and better deliverer. So he starts with the first chapter is God, and he presents Jesus as God, fully human and fully divine. And then he moves through and he shows these Hebrew believers how everything they've known Jesus fulfills. So he is fully God and fully human. He's better than Moses. So all the things that these believers had based their lives on, their history, their sense of permanency was based on, the author goes through and shows them how Jesus fulfills it, how he's better. Now, it would have been quite mind-blowing for these people to be, to be thinking about this, that he's better than Moses, that he's better than Joshua, the greatest military leader that they knew. He was better than Aaron, who instigated the Levitical priesthood and a way of approaching God. So these things were quite a, a big thing for the Jewish believers to, um, to grapple with. And then he goes on, can we get the next slide please? He goes on and shows how Jesus actually presents a better covenant. So the way God had instigated interacting and relating with his people has now been replaced by Jesus. And it's not just a tit for tat, it's a better than so Jesus offers in Jesus we're offered better promises. In Jesus um, he opens up a better temple. So the temple sacrificial system was the way that uh, Jewish or Israelite people approached God, had a relationship with God, were made right with God. But it was very temporary. He was and is a better sacrifice. He achieved far better results. So the the sacrificial system had to be repeated over and over and over. The blood of bulls and goats and lambs and pigeons never actually permanently achieved the result it was working towards. The whole system was set up to show people that they couldn't actually attain righteousness on their own. God had to do it for us and Jesus did achieve it. But have a think about, for these people, this was all they knew. This was the most permanent thing they could have thought they'd based their lives on. Do you get that? And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes in and he replaces it. It was transient and changeable, but no matter how permanent it felt, Jesus replaced it. Then he moves on and in chapters 10 to 12, he shows what is the only reasonable response. Faith. Faith in Jesus. That's the only logical response you could have to seeing how throughout history God has worked. So he's recapped the entire history between God first introducing himself through to Jesus' present day. And the only response could possibly be faith in Jesus. So chapter 10 gives us that heart response. Chapter 11 is a list of people who've lived that out And chapter 12 is, again, just that beautiful recap. But then we get to chapter 13. Now, Hebrews starts off like a sermon. Those first 12 chapters are very much like a sermon. But it ends like a letter with personal notes, with exhortations and instructions for practical living. There's instructions here that we see, love your fellow believers, honour marriage, be content, respect your leaders. And it's in the midst of that we find this little sentence. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Why? Why put it there? I actually believe it's the culmination of the entire book. Knowing and placing that as the foundation of our lives because it's the only permanent thing is good. It's what gives us the fixed point to focus on so that with all the other changes that are going on around us, we don't get dizzy. Does that make sense? You're tracking with me? So knowing that Jesus cannot and will not change has to equip us to love him, to honour our spouses, to be content and respect those in authority. We can see through all of that that Jesus alone is worthy of our worship, worthy of our attention. He is beautiful. He is incredible. And he is God made human in flesh come to meet our need. And that's pretty incredible. That's worth fixing our eyes on now let's go back to the verse to Hebrews by the end of this you're going to be able to say it with me trust me Hebrews 13 8 Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever you will have this stuck in your brains I promise and you won't get dizzy so let's have a quick look we'll start with yesterday what does it mean for you to have Jesus as Christ Lord Messiah Redeemer over your yesterdays what's that look like for you I know Trina's prayed about shame It was just beautiful hearing you pray that Trina. it was on my heart this morning. Jesus has redeemed your yesterdays. Isn't that awesome? I think that's spectacular. Now, he was there at your beginning. Psalm 139 tells us that, that he was there at your beginning. At conception, as you were being knit together in your mother's womb, he was there. He knows the days of your life. There is nothing and nowhere you could go to escape from him. He knows every word that's on your tongue before you speak it. He knows you and he loves you. He was there at your beginning. He was there at the beginning of the universe. Genesis 1, 1, and God, in the beginning, God. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh and and created, like, it's there. Hebrews 1 starts with, and God. God is at every beginning. He's been there through every single one of your days up till now. What's it look like for you? To look back to the past and see Jesus as the Christ of your past. What does that change? What does that shift for you? Is there something in your past that you need to bring to Him, that you need healing for? If He's forgiven you and forgiven those that have hurt you, what's that look like for you today? If you're looking for a way to frame praying through your past, I'd really recommend you head towards Psalm 136. There's this lovely um, repetitious uh, statement and response psalm, and it just goes through Israel's history. But insert your own name in there. Thank God and praise Him for all the ways that He's acted on your behalf, all the ways He's provided for you, all the ways He's protected you. And you can't tell me He hasn't, because if you're sitting here today, He has. Yes, he's been at work. He was never not at work. So what's it look like if he's the same character now that he was then? What's it look like for him to have been faithful in your life? Your yesterdays tell his story in you. And they have shaped who you've become today for his glory. What's something that God's prompting you to deal with about your yesterdays? Is there something you haven't said thank you for? Is there something you haven't um, acknowledged where he's been? Do you need to ask him, Jesus, where were you? when this happened and I was hurt I'd really encourage you to invite him in choosing to see our past the way Jesus does can have a really big effect on us and it leads us to where we are today today I think we'll get that up in a second today just as we have a choice to see our past a certain way we have a choice about what we do today each morning is a fresh start a do-over God's mercies are new every morning and his faithfulness will never end. We can count on it. He's unchanging. What's it look like for you today to be a follower of Jesus who is fixated on him, who's focused on him? What's that change for you today? Does it mean that you will go home and spend some time in private worship? Does it mean that you're going to to praise him and thank him? Does it mean that after church you're going to tell someone what you're grateful for? What does it look like for you to see Jesus as your Christ, your Lord, your King today? Reading our Bibles, praying, praising, they're all great things. Along with Jesus' nature, his commands haven't changed. To love each other and to love him. No matter what else is going on in our lives, a relationship with Jesus needs to come first. Along with showing how superior Jesus is to everything he has created, the author of Hebrews also gives us at least five warnings. I can count five, but there's probably a few more little ones snuck in there, but I can see five big ones. To pay attention against unbelief, against falling away, not deliberately sinning, and not disregarding or disvaluing our inheritance. They're scary things, but don't forget this is written to believers to Christians, to people who are following Jesus. They still need to hear these warnings. We need to hear these warnings. Very quickly, in three times, one after the other in quick succession in chapter 3 and heading into chapter 4, we hear the quote. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice. What's he saying to you today? What do you need to obey today? In chapter 3, verse 12, it's very quickly followed by, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. They're stern words. But the antidote is given in the very next verse. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hey guys, you can't do this on your own. We need each other somebody's got to tap you on the shoulder and say hmm how's it going and we need to be open to hearing it we need to be the ones if God's prompting you to tap someone else on the shoulder obey today you might be what somebody else needs today is where we are right now is a choice but what we choose today will impact our tomorrow and it will also become our yesterday don't underestimate the power of today Is being in a life group and signing up out at the Connect Desk or asking someone to keep you accountable or getting prayer for something you're struggling with, are these things you need to do today? Okay, let's head into tomorrow or forever. What's it look like to consider Jesus as Lord of our future? I don't know about you, but this one for me is the hardest one. It's where I have the least control and the most uncertainty. I didn't give you all the instructions when we were looking at what the stress test words were I didn't give you all the instructions it actually goes on to say include all the things you anticipate that will happen in the next 12 months as well hmm how does that change it anticipation of anxiety or worry actually wears us down It really messes with our heads. We think we're dizzy coping with yesterday. As soon as you start worrying about what's coming up, you're done. What's it look like for you to trust Jesus as the King and Lord of your future? Did you know Jesus said, do not not worry or be anxious about your life, about what you will eat or drink, about what you will wear, about your body or your health. Matthew 6, 25 to 34, Jesus says, do not worry. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything in Philippians 4 verse 6. Anything, none of those things are worth being anxious about because Jesus is Lord. He is Messiah, he is King, he is the Christ over your future. If you go back and rehearse how faithful he's been in the past, it will build your confidence to trust him for tomorrow. And I still struggle with it. I woke up last night worrying about something that's going to happen. And I'm like, oh... (laughs) as much for me as it is for you but what's it look like today is there something you need to acknowledge hey God I'm really worried about fill in the blank is that something you can hand over today choosing to see Jesus's unchanging care for us will just continue to build our faith I want to be one of those people listed in chapter 11 don't you you can't tell me they didn't have things to worry about some of them had huge obstacles but Jesus knows our beginning and our end and he's all the way through it there's not a spot that he misses and we can trust him 1st Corinthians 10:13 says that he will give us nothing that he won't help us carry that he won't help us stand up under he's faithful he's worthy of our worship he's kind he's true he's magnificent he's steadfast has said is the word used in that Psalm 136. His faithful, loving kindness. You could take that to the bank all day long. Keeping our eyes on him, trusting him as our perfect sacrifice, as receiving our confidence of our salvation. When Jesus replaced the old temple with him, he's allowed access into the full, new, real, more than ever present temple in heaven. We have access to God We don't have to wait once a year for some animals to be killed, for one person to go into the Holy of Holies. We can go in boldly and confidently, knowing that we have been washed clean and we have been made righteous, not in our own works, but in what Jesus has done. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. If Satan's tapping you on the shoulder and bringing shame and accusing you about something you've done, take it to him, he's already dealt with it. If that's going to rob you of the joy of the future, take it to him, he's already dealt with it. Faith in him is just the only rational response and it's the only way we can deal with life's uncertainties. Trusting him for our future is far more rational than living in fear of it. He created order out of nothing. He put every star in place and he named it and he put you here and now and he named you too. But Jesus who was willing to give up everything, to sacrifice his life, to be the perfect priest, the perfect sacrifice, to reap eternal consequences for you, he's worthy of our trust. we can trust him to take care of the future but is there something you need to hand over to trust him with now and to let go of the worry I don't know about you but the author of Hebrews has really given us some words of wisdom there's so much in there and I've skimmed over it but that little statement I want you to go away and think if I'm feeling dizzy if I'm anticipating change if there's too much going on fix your eyes on him He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And he loves you and he cares for you. This year most of us will deal with change. Some of us will deal with the big things on the wall. Some of us will deal with all the little things and then some. It's inevitable. Change is as certain as death and taxes. The world is moving quickly sometimes. We can be part of it but we don't have to be consumed by it. Trusting in Jesus, making His face our one immovable spot, will give us peace. It's how we're content. It's how we can trust those in government because we can pray for them. It doesn't matter who wins the next election. God knows, and He's got it con- under hand. Like He's got it. We can pray and live peaceful lives. Jesus says, and Matthew records it for us in jo- uh, John records it. Sorry, in John sixteen thirty three. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. If he's the same yesterday, today and forever, then what he said then is just as true today. He has overcome anything that could be a bother. In a moment, I'm going to pray. So would the band come up for us, please? And I'm going to pause in the middle of it. And I'm going to give you space. Is there something about your yesterday, something about today, or something about the future that you need to bring to Jesus? What's he prompting you? If you're hearing his voice today, don't harden your heart. Deal with it. He loves you. You won't hear condemnation. You'll hear love and care and concern. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we praise you. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Deliverer, the Priest, the Sacrifice. You are the Temple. You are better than anything we could imagine. Lord, I thank you for the way that you instigated a a regime of people to be made temporarily right with you before you came to make an offer that we, we just shouldn't refuse, Jesus open our hearts and our minds. Father, if there's anyone here today that hasn't yet trusted you for their past, their present and their future, would you just open their hearts and their minds to you today? Father, we believe that faith in you, faith in your son and what he achieved for us by dying on the cross and shedding his own blood. Jesus, we believe that his death and his resurrection and his life eternal now in victory is ours for the taking if we just ask and believe and receive. Father, would you help us to bring you our past and our present and our future. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. We lift your name on high and we worship you. You are all that we could ask for. You are where, you are where our hope comes from. You didn't just die to give us life in heaven when we we die. You died to bring us life and life to the full here and now. Life with you, peaceful, content, joyful life, full of your spirit. Lord, your new covenant means you've written your words on our hearts and in our minds. Father, thank you for the incredible privilege it is to walk on this earth with you in us and working through us. going to close with the benediction in Hebrews. Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.
1: Let's stand together and let's respond to God. Hear his voice and respond to his call from us today. Bless the Lord. the Lord of my soul. sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then forever Holy name, we Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. I worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. I worship Your holy name. Your Lord, your
0: if you are here this morning and you haven't yet invited Jesus to be a part of your life and you would like to, then please stop and stay with us. Turn and talk to the person beside you or come down the front. There'll be people here who would love to talk to you. If you want prayer for something that's going on in your life, then feel free to grab somebody and we will pray with you. We would love you to stay for a cuppa and a piece of cake. Don't forget to say congratulations and thank you to Marie and Matt who will be out in the foyer. And please we'd love to see you next Saturday as we build and fix and maintain our community here in this place and out at Eagle Hawk. So don't forget, let us know that you're coming so that there'll be morning tea and a job lined up for you. And also too, I need to sneak this in. Next Sunday morning is our first morning back of kids ministry. So we would love to see you and your families back if that's something you would like to do. We ask that you would, um, yeah, look, especially. Stay for a chat, stay for a cover. We're family. It's lovely to have you with us. God bless, go well, and we'll see you next Sunday morning.